Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2020 eyes. Aww. And we are here after the last episode's dramatic, huge, bombshell, huge, massive <laughs> event. <Hot> twist. <laughs> yeah. How are you holding up, Eleanor? I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> I mean sure I mean, no need to grieve too much no it's Dial okay it back a bit oh uh, yeah it's like you know like we say I think I think it was right for us to give them that episode to say goodbye to a mm-hmm. you know one of the main characters of the show that has been there from the beginning and you know uh, an important uh element of that show especially from Ali's point of view so you know we've we've given them that episode I don't you know (laughs) I'm not here to like we said last time not here to rewrite the legacy of Billy at all no and it's interesting actually because he's just that origin story has been such a fundamental foundation like cornerstone of the premise of the show show. like him leaving is huge like I don't know I don't know where the show goes from here yeah Um, I can't remember it too well that's not to say that I don't think it's got enough good elements to have potential I think it does but I bet a lot of viewers at this time would be thinking like (laughs) what now like you know there's a massive hole so yeah what yeah. are they going to fill it with? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. Exactly. Ring the alarm. We've got a new patron. Uh, Rebecca has joined us at Alley Level on our Patreon. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And sorry for the late shout out. Um, but we've done it now. Let's go back to the show. Okay, so uh, this time we are going to be talking about um, episode 17 of season three called I Will Survive. Um, will we? Will we? <laughs> Who can say? Only, only time will tell. Um, and I Will Survive first aired 17th of April 2000. Ooh. So that's like another month gap, pretty yeah, much, or three weeks. Yeah, it is, isn't so, it? Yeah, yeah. when was it? Yeah, 27th was, uh, 27th of March was Boy Next Doy. Boy Next Doy. Boy Next Doy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> How funny. Boy yeah. Next Doy. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's been about two weeks, hasn't it, since uh, yes. Billy died. <laughs> We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade, more problematic than it looks. UK number one. Yeah. The artist is Craig David. Fill me in. Yeah. Yeah. That was Can his you debut fill song. Me in? Yeah. And we both um, went to the same college as Craig David, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brockenhurst. Uh, he was a local a local lad. Local lad. He was born in the same hospital that 
mum has worked our mum has worked at as a midwife uh, yeah she wasn't working there at the time of his at birth the time then no. yes um and um he was actually born in the same hospital on the same exact day like same year same everything as hmm. my first boyfriend which is a weird <laughs> fact <laughs> Shame your first boyfriend wasn't actually Craig David, but there we go. No, I wish. Oh my god, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I used to love Craig David. I, I thought remember. he was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did come out with. I a still do. Key. I still think he's pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I like a couple of his songs. I like listening to "Fill Me In" and Seven Days." And but he came out recently with, or fairly recently, the last couple of years with some new like comeback songs and he's done a few covers of stuff and he's still really good i've not listened to anything new he was smart because he invested a lot of money in like property and stuff and did a lot of djing and moved to the states and like became really buff and did a lot of bodybuilding yeah Um, yeah. but like like he you know a lot of people have like that short-lived success and then just burn out like blow all their money and then like just have to go back and get a normal job yeah but he's he's still really you know it's been like low-key successful so um, oh good for him cool good for him him. yeah sensible boy good boy yeah um us number one is santana featuring the product g and b uh, what is the product G and B? No idea. But this was. Do you have any idea what this was? No, I don't remember this at all. This was Maria Maria. Oh, I didn't realise that was a. I didn't realise. I didn't rec. I I know the song Maria Maria, and I yeah. knew that was like the big follow up to Smooth, but I couldn't remember the name of the featured artist like, yeah I thought I would have recognized it more but I I didn't, no, I didn't I know didn't. That, that was yeah interesting yeah um so uh 14th of April uh American Psycho is released have I you ever seen don't that? think I've ever seen it have you not no. Christian Bale no. no but it's you know very well known and very yes. highly, yeah yeah from what I remember because yeah. it's based on a novel um but what I rem- I remember liking it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but it was years ago that I saw it. So mm-hmm. maybe if I watched it now, I'd have different feelings. But it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, a lot of dark humour from memory, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Another local connection, of course, because he went to uh, our uh, the, the boys' the, equivalent of our uh, secondary school yes. um, for Former a short time. For boys, yeah, way before we were there because yeah. he's a lot older than us. Um, <laughs> my favourite Christian Bale fact is that his dad went on to marry Gloria Steinem. Yes, I know, yes. I know which really I find funny. like wild. I'm like, I how know. Has that happened? Yeah, I know it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, 19th of April, Tony Martin is sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of a 16-year-old burglar, uh, Fred Barris, who he shot dead at his Norfolk farmhouse eight months ago. He is also convicted of the attempted murder of Brendan Fearon, um, the burglar wounded when Martin opened fire. Do you remember this? I have a vague memory of this, but nothing See, super I, detailed. I only remember it in terms of like the real like discussion that it kicked off in terms of mm. 
um, in terms of being able to defend yourself in your, your own home. home. Yeah, yeah, um, I remember that, yeah. I remember, I mean, I don't know. Well, because the... it was such a, uh, it's so, you know, I don't know, for any American listeners that we have, um, like, it's not the same in the UK. Like, no. you don't, you can't just own a gun very easily i think if you're a farmer you can for for you know wildlife control reasons but there's there's you know it's not easy to do that and actually we don't i know there's a lot of cases in america where you have the right to bear arms and defend yourself and defend your own home and stuff like that that's not how it works in this country you can't just go around shooting people which i generally speaking think is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but, I, yeah, I, this, I, I remember it's... this case kicking off a big old conversation about it, which is not one that we normally have, even though it's one that happens very frequently in the US whenever there's this kind of yes. event that happens. See, so from, I'm just looking this up. So apparently uh, he lived on his own in this farmhouse. Um, he said he'd been burgled a total of 10 times losing about six thousand pounds worth of furniture but police sources say they are not sure that all the incidents took place um right martin also complained about police in action over the burglaries and claimed that multiple items and furniture were stolen such as dinnerware and a grandfather clock Martin had equipped himself. Well, exactly um, like a quick getaway with a I grandfather know, clock. I know, that sounds improbable, doesn't it? Um, Martin yeah. had e- equipped himself with an illegally held pump action Winchester oh, model. Oh, so it was illegal. Yeah, yeah. shotgun. Okay. Yeah, so he had his shotgun certificate revoked in 94 um, after he found a man stealing apples in his orchard and shot a hole in the back oh, of his my vehicle. God. No. Um... So, yeah, Brendan Fearon, 29, and 16-year-old Fred Barris, both Irish travellers from Newark-on-Trent, broke into Martin's house, shooting downwards in the dark with his shotgun loaded with birdshot. Martin shot three times towards the intruder once they were in the stairwell and twice more when they were trying to flee through the window. Um, mm. Barris was hit in the back and both sustained gunshot injuries to their legs. Both escaped through the window, but Barris died at the scene. Gosh. The prosecution... So Martin claimed that when he op- he opened fire after being woken when the intruder smashed a window, the prosecution accused him of lying in wait for the burglars and opening fire without warning from close range in retribution for previous break-ins at his home. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it was just this kind of yeah. Once you've once you've scared off, like you know, you you fired once and they're trying to escape through your window. Like to me, I'm like, you've done it. You scared them. They're going. Like you don't need to yeah. carry on shooting at them. <laughs> but yeah. At the and same it... time, it's hard. Like they've broken into your home. You have every it's understandable that you might fear for your life like yeah but it's I think, hard I think there's a reason why we have stricter laws and yes I think they're good reasons yes and I, I don't agree. think yes it's shitty if someone's trying to thieve your home but the right course of action is not to shoot them unless yes. you feel like your life is in danger and I don't think his life was in danger thieves generally um in this Just country because to... we don't have we don't have access to weaponry and in, in, in the, the same, same way, way. Um, they're just opportunistic. They're just after yeah. f- 
finding something easy to steal, which is why I'm a bit skeptical about this grandfather clock, something easy to steal, easy to get in and out that can make them some money. Yeah. Um, I don't. They just want to get in, get out, get out, go. Yeah. Like they like generally up your security, yeah. report it to the police, but you don't go around killing people. Sorry, no, no. not 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 in this country anyway. So. No, I mean this guy, <laughs> like he was, yeah, he was convicted of murder, um, but later it was reduced to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, and he served three years in prison, having been denied parole. Diminished responsibility is interesting because that usually implies that there's some kind of mental health issue there. Mental health issue, yeah. Which actually sounds like that might be the case if he well, was yeah, having such an extreme. He's saying, like he claims he'd been burgled like ten times, and the police are yeah. like, "Oh, we don't have any record of that or proof of that, or you know that you know it might be that he did, you know, had gotten paranoid and was like imagining Maybe. things, or I don't know, but." He but has, all the more reason for people in those circumstances to not, not be able to get their hands weapon, on yeah. deadly weapons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he has since been living at a secret address ever since he, you know, was released. Oh, wow. Um, wow. But yeah, just sad all around really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just remember the conversation that sparked in like the public discourse um, yeah. at the time. Um and the last thing I've got is 21st of April 2000, The Virgin Suicides is released. Oh, yeah. I like good, that film. Good film. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. It's With good. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst. And Josh Hartnett, a young Josh Hartnett. Yes. Oh, I love Josh Hartnett. He's, where did he go? He did I Penny loved Dreadful. Him. Did you ever see Penny Dreadful? No. Oh, it's a great, like, uh, gothic, supernatural TV show that had him... Uh, Eva Green, Timothy Dalton um, in it that was set in like uh, Victorian London and it all had like... Was uh, it a British show? Um, well, it was set in Britain. Um, it, I think it might have been like a British-American hmm. uh, collaboration, maybe. Interesting. Maybe. It was Great. set in Britain, but it wasn't... But yeah. it was it was very like uh, slick, uh, yeah. Victorian England kind of. In I like you like it was set in England, but it was it was very slick. So I'm not <laughs> sure if it was British. Yeah, well, he's got some of that American money behind it. I believe Josh Hartnett actually lives in Britain now. Does he? Yeah, because he married Ooh. like an English actress. Really. Um, Oh, so it's created by Showtime and Sky by John right. Logan, who did like who wrote Gladiator and The Aviator and other like big uh films. Ah, um, okay. But um yeah, he created Penny Dreadful. And I really they recently brought it like did a reboot of it, um, set in Los Angeles, which has like very oh. quickly been cancelled after one season by the sounds of it. Oh. Um, but the original series that is set in London, it's all just like uh it's got Billy Piper in it as well. She's really oh, okay. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um right. and it's just like uh yeah, it's got all those kind of classic victorian monsters in it like um right. vampires and there's a werewolf yeah. and there's a 
there's Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster and uh, yeah. yeah, like witches and yeah, yeah. all those kind of um, classic horror um, characters yeah. in it. It's really fun and gothic and I love it. It's really good. Cool. Yeah, so that's what he did. <laughs> well, there you go. Nice to see he's still got work. He does, um, yeah. Okay, so let's get into surviving <laughs> with I Will Survive. I will survive. Which, incidentally, sorry, because obviously the title uh, of this is I Will Survive, because (laughs) you know I always go on about that um, podcast you're wrong about. Right. Yeah, they they did um, a episode on um, Disco Demolition Night, which um, was an event in America where basically like a whole sort of football stadium of people got together to like cancel disco basically and it's a really losers yeah well (laughs) it's it's a really interesting episode because i didn't know anything about this um yeah i've never heard of it yeah. yeah it's really interesting um especially in regards to like what disco when did it happen it happened 12th of July, 1979. I was going to say, it sounds like a 70s thing. Because in Detroit Rock City, uh, when like Ed Furlong and his friends pick up Natasha Lyonne, who's like a, playing a disco bunny, um, like they have these massive arguments about what's better, like rock and roll or disco. And there was this huge like cultural war between yeah, the two factions. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, can't you just like both, both of them? Like, yeah. For God's sake. Well, it's really interesting because <laughs> it ended, Disco Demolition Night ended in like a riot. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's very interesting in terms of like the people involved in it like to what what they go into on uh, you're wrong about podcast uh, about this is is like the people involved like to paint it as they just didn't like the music genre of disco but mm. what they go into is kind of like yeah but let's have a look at what disco actually represented and it represented yeah, yeah. a lot of um lgbtq plus yeah uh, community and also the black community, black community. Like, yeah um yeah and you know how those kind of um racist homophobic kind of attitudes yeah. kind of overlaid with this and yeah you know it's, it's not um you know uh it's not accurate to just paint it as oh we just don't like disco um yeah but also, I will survive. I think they say on this episode that the song "I Will Survive" was like voted the best disco song ever, or something. Like it was just like, oh, right. the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which uh, it's not my favorite disco song, but it is it is iconic. Obviously, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I just so, wanted to yeah. throw that in. Well, as Natasha Leone says in uh, Detroit Rock City, good tunes is good tunes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's go into it. So Ali's alarm clock turns to 7am and it goes off. Um, and she is kind of trying to, she's sort of reaching from under her covers to kind of smash it to turn turn it off um but we um she's missing it because we hear the announcer say um that this song goes out to everyone whose first love has just died from a brain tumor <laughs> and it's Vonda singing neighborhood yeah um and Ali sits up 
and then she just bashes the alarm clock and it switches channels and yes. it's I Will Survive comes on the radio. And then Ali stares and she just smashes the alarm uh, clock again and it turns itself off finally. Um, and she's just sat there on the edge of her bed with her eyes shut. Um, and then she just sort of is like, I guess I should get up. Like, you know, she sort of shakes it off, decides to get up. And as she turns to head to the bathroom, suddenly actual Gloria freaking Gaynor is there. I know. Standing in her bedroom doorway singing, I will survive. Of course. <laughs> yeah, another star booking for the show. Absolutely. So um, but Ali wants to escape fantasy Gloria. So she literally sprints into the bathroom, like running away from her. <laughs> yeah. But Gloria is right there waiting for her. And Ali's like trying to bat her away. But that obviously doesn't work because she's a figment of Ali's imagination. Um, so now Gloria is just basically stuck to Ali. She's with <laughs> Ali, with a shower cap on and I a sponge while she's in the shower <laughs> as Ali is just staring blankly ahead. And then um, then she's just getting ready and Gloria's sat on her bed just singing I Will. It's basically like Gloria's I Will Survive video, but with Ali just in the background <laughs> yeah. trying to go to work. <laughs> so there's a series of scenes of Gloria just following Ali around her apartment as she goes to work. Um, and on the way into work this has now morphed into Ali sort of a bit panicked because she's running into <laughs> traffic yes. to try and escape as Gloria runs after her Same. and she almost causes several accidents as cars are like swerving and beeping all around her but then when she makes it to the other side of the street she runs into Ling, which I think for whom, you know, witnessing this behaviour is probably slightly triggering, given what happened to Marty. <laughs> um, and sure enough, Ling asks her if she was being chased by pygmies. Um, and Ali just goes, worse, disco. <laughs> and then we're in titles. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, Ali, you need to get some help. Yes. Where is Renee when you need her? I know. Ah! But also, I really loved this opening scene. Like, I thought so it was funny. so much fun. Like, I yeah. loved, um, I loved that scene in the shower. Gloria was such a good sport. I think, absolutely agreeing like, to do all of that. Yeah, genuinely like great comic acting slash singing. <laughs> She's <laughs> yes. like, really, really good. Really fun. Um. So at the office, Ali is in a meeting with. Um, a therapist who is sadly not there to help her because I think she needs it but actually it's someone she needs as a witness for the case that she's working on um, and I also want to note that she's played by an actress called Valerie Mahaffey who is currently playing Christina Applegate's mum in a show called Dead to Me which is on Netflix which oh. I highly recommend oh, if you've I not seen not, it I, I've, I've seen all of Dead to Me I really, yeah, like, yeah, I me really enjoyed it I love it, it. Um, yeah yeah but I didn't that it was, yeah. it was as her. soon as she started speaking I was like I know that face I know that voice and I looked it up and I was like oh my god of course she's playing oh, her mum yeah I completely yeah. missed that but yeah no yeah if you um yeah recommend that to me it's really really yeah. good really fun excellent excellent show yeah another Ali McBeal connection obviously because James Marsden's in it yes yes he yeah. is yeah um so it seems to be that Ali's client is a lady called Nora Mills and she's being accused of first degree um, marriage. Um, but actually that's Ali misspeaking and it's 
murder. So first degree <laughs> murder. Doing a lot of murder cases all of a sudden. That's what I was like. I was like, another one? Yeah. Really? Like, like <laughs> this is now becoming a regular thing. Okay. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm on board. I like a good bit of murder, <laughs> as you know. Um, and Ali needs this therapist to testify that Nora was insane to try and get her off. And the therapist rightfully um, points out that she doesn't like the use of the word insane. Well done. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, however, in the middle of all of this, Elaine comes in to tell her that Richard needs her in the staff meeting and she won't want to miss this because he's hired someone. And Elaine is clearly relishing the unmissable drama. Um, yes. So, Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. So in the meeting, Richard is making a speech saying that when his childhood dog got run over, his parents went out and bought him a new puppy and it was the best therapy in the world. And then he's like, this is Mark Albert. Excellent litigator. Starts today. Let's all give him a warm welcome. And um, Mark is a new character played by James... Le- I don't know if you say it, Le Gross or Le Gross? Le Gross, no I think. Um... But yeah, he's um, he's he's the new addition to the firm, um, and he's all friendly smiles. Um, but he's met with a stony wall of mm. blank faces and actual cricket noises on the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after this awkward silence, Ali just goes, "Billy dies, and you run out and get a new puppy." But Richard is unfazed with his plan, and he's like. No, Mark's working on the the murder case with Ali and Ling to, you know, take Billy's place. And and Ali's like, no, me and Ling will be just fine. But Richard doesn't want to take no for an answer um, because he says there's a lot of publicity and it's important that they look good. And Ali is just like, we don't need a new puppy. And then there's this other awkward pause and Richard just goes, he's on the case. And he walks out and Ali goes to chase him. And then Mark obviously is there just looking really uncomfortable. And Nell, Nell, Nell offers him some advice as someone who has been met with hostility here before. And she just goes, first dates are always awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do feel sorry for Mark at this point because it is I like know. the circumstances of what all a position this like, could to be not put be in. more awkward. Like, yeah. it's really tough. That's a tough. Really difficult. First, uh, first impression, isn't it? Yeah, really tough. Um, so meanwhile, Ali has chased Richard all the way down to the unisex um, because she's really angry that he's hired Mark. Um, and Richard's trying to say, look, we do need the help. Like, you know, now that Billy's gone, I mean, it's not like you do any work. <laughs> Which, I, <laughs> Which I was that. like, great. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not escaped Richard's notice that you never do any work, Ali. <laughs> Um, And then also Richard points out that Mark is a specialist in criminal law and he's got lots of contacts. Um, And Ali is like, is John in on this? And and that's when we find out that John is not in this episode either. Um, We spoke about this in the last episode that Mm. he was really in it for a limited amount of time on such a pivotal episode. So clearly something's going on with Peter McNichol. Um, But the excuse this episode is that he's basically gone AWOL um, and he's gone to New Hampshire, they think, because he's sad about Billy dying. So yeah. Um, Ali is just like acting like a sulky child and it's like I don't like him and Richard's like do you know him and Ali's like I don't need to know him I just have a bad feeling and Richard's like look how long have you worked here and Ali's like well what's that got to do with anything and Richard's like well you've been here long enough to know that when you say something negative about a person in this room and then cue (laughs) toilet flush and Mark coming out of a stall 
and Richard leaves and Ali's just like how, did you... how the hell did that happen and I was the same I was like yeah how did you get there like did they do like three laps of the office before they went into the unisex maybe, I don't understand. maybe that's it maybe Richard like first of all stopped off at like someone's desk and then got a coffee yeah and maybe then went in, like, drunk his coffee it was very weird um but yeah but then Mark who I think is in, as we've said, this very difficult position. He gamely tries to kind of get on side with Ali. First by giving her, he just kind of ignores, like he doesn't, he hasn't got the hump with anything she said that he would have overheard. He just gives her the chance to kind of start over and he goes to, you know, offer a handshake. But she doesn't really reciprocate because she's, I think, got a a point that he should probably wash that. (laughs) Yeah. Come out of the toilet. Um, And she's just very hostile about, um, you know, he's trying to make some jokes and she's very, very, like, um, mean and and doesn't doesn't bite. Mm. And then he's like, look, I'm sorry about what happened with Billy. I know you guys were close. I'll try not to to step on your toes in trial. Um, It's nice to meet you. And he, he leaves. Um, I know, it's like, it's not his fucking yeah. fault that Billy's died. No, it really isn't. Like, no. and there's no need to be, like, this bloody petulant about it. Like... No. Yes. Yeah, very unprofessional, Ali. Yeah. So, so next, Ling and Mark are having a meeting with their client, Nora. And she is played by um, Loretta Devine, who was the original... Broadway incarnation of Laurel in Dreamgirls in its original run. So we have Broadway royalty on the show as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, So um, the therapist is also there and we come in um, to the scene and Ling is basically just bawling her eyes out going, I can't believe it. I don't know what happened. Um, And then suddenly she switches it off and she's fine. And she's like, can you cry like that, Nora? And she asks the therapist if she can teach Nora some crying tricks. And then she just <laughs> slams this photo of Billy down. Um, and she's like, this is Billy. He used to work here and he died of a brain tumour. Like, that's sad. Feel like crying yet? <laughs> and like Nora's like, uh. And Mark is looking really, uh, I don't know, uncomfortable. Like he keeps staring. And yes. Ali comes in um, and joins them and, and asks what's going on. And, and Mark says to Ali that Ling is coaching the client to lie um, on the stand. And Ling is like, no, not lie. Just embellish the truth a little so that she looks sympathetic. Um, and meanwhile, Nora is like, you are going to get me off, right? Like, come on. Like, I can't go to prison for this. You need to get me off. And Ali, Ali has had to, like, shut her eyes and, like, hold her head because... She's basically started to get a case of the Glorias again. Like the Cisco (laughs) is starting up and she has to run out of the room and she sees Elaine who is like, oh, this, this cassette, cassette has just arrived from you from the biscuit. Um, And Ali's like, uh, the music is still going this whole time. And Ali is like, can you, can you hear this, this beat? Like, do, do. And Elaine starts sort of dancing along to Ali's like impression of the beat, and Ali's like, "You hear it?" And Elaine's like, "No." (laughs) I love love it. (laughs) Oh goodness me! So later in the courtroom, a British woman is being questioned on the stand by the prosecution. And this is a lady called Ms. Holt, and she was the victim's physical therapist. And she is played by Amanda Donohoe, who is a British actress who I think 
um, went over to do work in uh, America because she was in LA law for quite a long time. But then she came back to the UK and she's been in quite a lot of um, UK stuff since then. So she was in about 10 years or so ago. She was in Bad Girls. She was in Emmerdale for a bit. So if anyone watches Emmerdale, they'll recognize her. So she's quite, um, she's got one of those faces that you're like, oh, I've definitely seen her in some things. Something before, Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, but basically, apparently, um, this victim was an amputee. So he'd lost a leg um, due to some kind of blood circulation issue. And this lady was working with him um, uh, on his physical therapy. Um, and whilst they were working together, they started this, uh, she calls it a physical infatuation. Um, basically, they started having an affair. Yeah. Um, and last December, they had been having sex when Nora walked in on them and basically she grabbed his prosthetic leg which is made of graphite and just started hitting her husband wildly over the head with it and then apparently he got up tried to run away he was bleeding down his arm well hop yeah because he doesn't only have one leg and she was still hitting him and then eventually she tripped him and he fell down the stairs, which and was that's how he what died. killed him. Yeah. Um, and then apparently, um, according to uh, Ms. Holt, Nora then dropped the leg, or should she say, the thumping device, and then ran. Yeah. So Ali then questions uh, Ms. Holt, and she is like, "You've described her as swinging the leg wildly. Does that mean her reaction could be called wild?" Um, and Miss Holt was like, well, it certainly wasn't subtle. And Ali's like, so, so what you're saying is she was upset. And Miss Holt was like, quite. And then Ali seems to have, you know, be like, I think I've, you know, that's, that's it. I'm going to sit down. That's all my questions. Uh, And then once she sat down, Mark gets up and is suddenly like, you know, would you say that she was scared or terrified? Would you say she was shocked by this? And, and, and Miss Holt's like, yes. And then he sits down and Ali's face is thunderous because I don't think she appreciates the fact that Mark jumped in to finish that off. Yes, Um, she looks quite peeved. (laughs) Yes. And sure enough, as they all come out of the courthouse and into an ante room, Ali just immediately rounds on Mark being like, why did you just cross that witness and undermine me in there? And Mark tries to defend it by being like, you know, she's the lead um, witness and she's the only prosecutorial witness um, so it, he, he was like I, pro- I thought it was probably a good idea to establish that you know shock was clouding her thinking and Ali's just a bit like mate I'm I'm the first chair like don't do that mm. and Mark's like you know I'm, I'm just trying to take Billy's place which mm, probably not the right thing to say um, and of course Ali gets extremely upset shouting that he will never take Billy's place don't even think about taking Billy's place and Mark kind of looks like he realises that he said that, like, all the wrong way. Like, he didn't... He just put his foot in it. Yeah, see, I... At this time, I was like, oh, God, that felt really clunky. Like, I was like, who would who would come in and say... Who would... Why would anyone say, like, look, I'm just taking the person who's just died place. <laughs> like, I know, you know I, I know. Like, I just felt like... It felt like really... Uh, There's better ways of saying it. Yeah, it felt like really clunky dialogue. It was only so we could have Ali, like, just have this moment of have Ali moment. being like, yeah. um, you know, oh, Ali doesn't want anyone to take Billy's place. Like, 
that's what's been going on this whole time. That's why she has such yeah. a problem with Mark and, oh, what, you know, subtext reveal. And it's like, but it's not the subtext. It's, it's like, not it's a reveal. Text. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, that's that's been the case the entire time. Like, from the moment that Richard was like, I'm replacing him like I did my puppy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's like, this is yeah. not like, but it's played like in the show, like, because the I th- I think the scene ends with her being like, "You will never take Billy's place." Yeah, like, and it's just like, and then it's like all sad piano music, and it's just as she yeah. like, realizes what she's just said, and it's just like, <laughs> this is so clunky. I know. <laughs> um, so so back at Cajun Fish, um, Richard has. Uh, come to see Ali in her office where she is just throwing gravel into her fishbowl um, <laughs> and he's come to check up on how she's... But his fish look dead. <laughs> I know. No, don't see any live in there. No. Um, but he's come to see how she's getting on with Mark. So he just goes, oh, how's he doing? And I was like, how do you think he's doing? He's dead for God's sake. And he's like, no, no, no. And then Mark. Mark. Like, yeah. And Ali's like, just Ali's just really blunt and it's like I still don't know why you hired him and Richard's like look the firm needs him we can't get behind on work trust me on that okay um and at this point I was like oh poor Richard trying to take control the only way he knows how like you know he's just, he's just coping in his own way yeah um but then uh we're back in court and it's Nora's turn on the witness stand and she's being questioned by Ling um and Basically, Nora in this entire scene um, is not coming across uh, in her natural state of being as very sympathetic. No. She's very mad at what yes. happened. So she's just like, I, uh, you know, it was awful to walk in on my hu- husband having this affair. I'm really, you know, she's clearly very angry about it. But she's also been coached by Ling. Yes. Because Ling kind of does a little signal by the side of her head to indicate, you know, you weren't thinking straight and, and and Nora goes oh yes I lost all ability to distinguish right from wrong um, <laughs> like clearly like someone's just fed her a line do you know absolutely. what I mean and then Ling is like well why did you reach for your husband's prosthetic and then she like pulls her eye down and Nora's like aha yes of course the crying we practice yeah. and she's like <laughs> <laughs> like in a really like ham acting type style yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Mark is looking extremely uncomfortable about this whole very like, scene. And Ling is really laying it on thick because at one point she realizes that Nora's shit crying is not gonna work. So she starts crying as well and like gets a handkerchief out. Um and she's like, Did you love your husband? And Laura is like, More than life! And Ling just full on starts sobbing. And the judge looks at her and she's like, I'm so sorry. It's just that in my culture, infidelity is worse than death to discover your spouse. I I'm sorry, I know I should be more professional. And then there's just like Ling wailing and Nora wailing really unconvincingly. And it's just a bit ridiculous. It it just looks like proper desperate, doesn't it? It just looks really, yeah, not good. Um, And Mark is not happy as they come out of the courtroom because he wants to know what the hell that was. Um, And he says, it's a murder trial. You sound like a game show contestant. (laughs) Um, And Ling is like arguing back with him. And then Ali steps in and she's like, 
she's clearly like had enough of Mark and she starts screaming at him and this fighting escalates back and forth until Mark just goes, look, I know you had somebody die on you. And at that, Ali just bursts into tears and Mark's a bit like, oh shit, uh, uh, and backpedals and is like, I'm sorry. And then he's like, look, there's obviously a reason that Richard put me on the case to back you two. Um, and then Ali suddenly hears the sound of Gloria again. And she's just like, quiet. And at this point, Ling and Mark are just staring at her, looking worried. And Ali is like, fine, and walks off. And Ling just turns to Mark and is like, nobody likes you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually think is um, Ling actually being nice. Because I think yeah. the fact that she adds a yet on the end, because I think maybe Ling from sort of, beginning of season two would probably have said like nobody likes you like where is this yeah nobody likes you yet (laughs) yeah there's a chance well (laughs) i because he keeps putting his foot in it like yes i get he's in a really shitty position but he keeps saying the worst things yeah exactly (laughs) it's really horrible um yeah it's uh yeah because the first time he said like i say when i was when he says like i'm just trying to i'm just trying i'm just trying to replace billy or something like oh i'm just trying to take billy's place it's like i was like who would say that who has like the word but this appears to be like a thing this is mark's thing like (laughs) find the worst thing you could possibly possibly say say yeah (laughs) i know um so now uh, let's find out what is going on with Nell because we all know that she's been up to something recently. Um, has Billy's death caused her to rethink her nefarious deeds? Um, let's find out. So <laughs> she arrives at Cajun Fish and Elaine comes up to her asking why she's got a meeting booked with Cindy Snell, who Elaine has clearly noticed is not Nell's client. And Nell's like, oh, um, I'm, I'm just covering for John this week. Um, because if we remember, he uh, he's uh, AWOL because he's sad about Billy. Um, and Elaine is like, huh, but Snell is Ali's client, like not John's. Um, and I was like, ooh, Nell busted um but Nell's strategy is to pretend like she doesn't know anything and she's like oh uh well do me a favor uh can you just just cancel that meeting then but Elaine says well it's too late to do that because she's waiting in your office and Nell's all like oh well I guess I'll just have to try and get rid of her like it's really annoying isn't it what a pain like oh well you know I just have to do it, won't I? Just, I mean, what? I mean, what can we do? There's nothing to be I done. Mean, now, now, like I know. I love but that also, Elaine is like sharp enough to be like. Well, this is my point. Like, um, Elaine doesn't look like she's buying it. And no. Nell, I'm sorry, but if Elaine is on the scent, you don't stand a fucking chance, love. No, no matter what you think of mere secretaries underestimate Elaine at, at your, your peril. peril. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it's just because it's like, no, you're not convincing anyone and Elaine is smarter than you, you give her credit for if you think she's going to be, you know, buying this performance. 
it's, it was just really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So back on the murder trial and the prosecution is questioning Nora and he asks if it was a big, big shock for her to find her husband cheating. And she's like, yes, have you ever been cheated on by a spouse? And the opposing counsel's like, no, but now that you bring it up, had you ever been cheated on before? And before Nora can answer, the opposing counsel goes on to say that, you know, isn't it true that your husband had cheated on you before? Um, And isn't it true that you knew about the relationship with Marianne Holt? And Nora just goes, I thought it was over. And at this point, Ali closes her eyes and she starts to hear Gloria Gaynor music in her head again. But this time it's a different song. Um, And the prosecution is continuing in this like bulldog style. Um, And Ling has to hastily object because Ali clearly isn't paying any attention. Mm. Um, But Ling's not successful in her objection. Um, And the opposing counsel continues saying, you know, you knew all about the affair with Miss Holt. Um, And whilst he's doing that, the disco beat starts up again in Ali's head. And he's uh, he's badgering kind of Nora being like, you know, why didn't you just leave him? And Nora's like, I don't know. I, I couldn't just leave him. And then Ali imagines Nora starting to sing along to this disco song, which is one of my favourites, um, Never Can Say Goodbye, because she just goes into... is like huh like she's just kind of looking at Nora as she just keeps like singing the entire song and then she looks around the courthouse to check if what she's seeing is real but everyone seems to be just sort of listening normally even though all she can hear is Nora just singing this song on the stand yeah and then all of a sudden as it gets to the chorus where they're like never can't say goodbye no everyone in the public gallery and the jury get up and start dancing and clapping and it's like a full on musical (laughs) performance yeah exactly they've got instruments of nurses and paramedics burst in dancing with like a gurney and like machines and like IV drips and they're like and there's like a a, full on routine what's it called like (laughs) is it called a cherry is that what it's called the light the flashing light oh the flashing light yeah and they're like doing a full on routine in front of the judge like dance routine (laughs) and then they're pulling Ali up to the desk to like join them and she kind of she looks like she doesn't look happy. She's like almost in this like resigned daze. That's that's um, the the word I use. Through it. Yeah, resigned. Like she looks really like, oh, I guess I'm doing this then. <laughs> yeah. She like walks up onto the desk 
and sort of turns around and does like this trust fall onto the doctors and nurses dancing yeah. as they like carry her onto the gurney and Loretta is singing her beautiful lungs out and everyone is it like full on like Song musical and dance. singing yeah. and dancing I mean I was singing along because I love the song and I was like no 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 never can sing <laughs> and like and they roll Ali out and she's just like waving, waving. like really dazed at everyone yeah. cut to reality and then there's like urgent serious like er style music as it turns out ali is really being wheeled out on a gurney with an oxygen mask over her face um as ling is telling the paramedics that she has passed out she just passed out unconscious um in the middle of the courthouse and then ling and mark are watching as ali is wheeled off to the ambulance to go to the hospital and I don't know about you, but I was like, holy crap. Like, I yeah. just was not expecting it because I was, like you, I was, like, completely enjoying the whole, like, song and dance routine and, like, really getting into it. And then it was like, boom, like, here's reality. Like, she has actually yeah. collapsed. And Collapse. it was like, oh, yeah. fuck. Like, yeah. That's terrible. It's, like, serious. Yeah. And this is, I think this is as serious as Ali's hallucinations have got from memory. Like, she's never been admitted never to hospital because before. of them. Yeah. Um. So this is... I mean, if I was her, I'd be pretty fucking worried. But anyway. <laughs> then... We see Ali at the hospital. She's not unconscious anymore. Um, the doctor is um, like shining a light in her eyes and like checking her over. Um, and he goes over to Ling and Elaine. Elaine's come down there um, and getting the kind of information from Ling and Mark as to what's happened. Um, and the doctor comes over and he tells everyone that, you know, it seems to just be that she fainted. Um, and he says, has she been under a lot of stress recently? And Elaine's like, well, her old boyfriend died right in front of her. (laughs) I guess you could say, yeah. Um, And Ali's like, excuse me, like, I'm right here. Please don't talk about me like I'm not here. Um, And Ling's like, oh, are you okay, sweetie? And comes over. She's like, you look so awful and sound bitchy. (laughs) And Ali admits that she hasn't really been sleeping well recently. And Ling's like, well, maybe you have a brain tumour. Are they contagious to the doctor? <laughs> and the doctor's like, uh, no. And then he's like, you just have one more test and then you can go. Um, and I was like, why hasn't anyone told the doctor about the hallucinations? Because I'm pretty sure if well, they mentioned fair, that, he wouldn't just be like, oh, it was just fainting. Well, I mean, they don't know that she had a hallucination. Yeah, but Ali knows. Why yeah, didn't but, she say? But that's normal for her. She has hallucinations all the time. <sighs> Doesn't make it right. <laughs> no, no, I agree. But, you know. Um, but yeah, but then Ling reminds everyone that Nora's therapist is due on the stand, so they, they need to get back to court. And Ali is trying to say that, you know, I did that prep um, for that witness, so I should do the questioning. And Mark's like, no, 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 I can do it. And Ali's like, I don't want you to do it. And um, at this, Mark seems a bit taken aback, um, but he does like this, almost like a therapy smile. Like he does this fake smile. Yes. He's like, can I speak to Ali alone? And Ling and Elaine go out. Um, and as Elaine goes out, she's like, oh wait, right outside and presses against him. So clearly Elaine's got a thing for Mark. Yeah. Um, so once everyone's gone, he sits on the bed and he's like, look, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a complete ass, but a person you love just died. It destroyed you. 
you fear love, you may even loathe it. And for whatever reason, I detected some chemistry between us, which I'm sure is the last thing that you must want to feel. Um, is it possible that you see me as a person you might actually be interested in and therefore you loathe me? I was a bit like, hey, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Where is this I'm gonna throw from? in, I'm gonna throw in my objection here because I'm just like, oh. dude, like, what the fucking fuck? <laughs> Why on earth do you think this is appropriate to say? Because A, you're fucking wrong. There isn't, has not been any chemistry. <laughs> like, she didn't, she just doesn't like you because you're... Well... I, I just, oh, it just... I, I hate everything is, about this. My objection is coming up, but I'm waiting till the end of the scene because things get even stranger. Yeah, so, okay, all um, right, I'll wait, I'll wait. So... Um, so he says this weird statement that is completely inappropriate. And Ali's like, oh yeah, you're right. You can't say that without sounding like an ass. Um, and then she goes, do you really think I'm interested in you? And Mark's like, well, I could be off base. And then we get this like plinky plinky music as Ali does this little like coy smile. And it's like, well, actually... I do have a little secret that I want to share with you. Um, can you can you just come in closer so I can whisper? And he does. And then she suddenly drops her coy demeanor and just goes to punch him in the face, which Mark anticipates without breaking eye contact at all and just stops the punch with his hand. Yeah. And he just goes, glad to see you're getting your strength back. I got to get back to court. I'm taking on an expert witness. And then he kisses her hand and goes to leave. And then Ali just throws the remote control for the TV at his head as he leaves. But without looking back, Mark just catches it over his shoulder, uses it to turn the TV on, throws it back to Ali and goes. And I was like, <laughs> because this whole scene, like A, like you, I don't get what Mark was trying to do there. Like, trying to get a rise out of her to... I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what for. Like, is he no. trying to get on side? Is he, is he trying to piss her off more? Like, I don't really get it. No. B, B, another... This is a triple threat objection. B, Ali punching people again. No, I don't care how much of an but ass I, someone is. Don't I punch actually, them. I actually get... I mean, I'm like, yeah, throw a remote control at his head. I don't care. Like, no, the remote control thing, fine. But when she went to go for yeah, it and stopped her was, hand, I was like, that. he was in real close range. That could yeah. have done some damage. Yeah. And see, what kind of magic ninja powers does Mark have? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? I don't understand. It's completely bonkers scene. Like, and it's like, and I feel like it's the show being like, oh, Ali's got chemistry with a new guy. And it's just like, no, just because you have one of them saying, I think we have chemistry, does not give them chemistry. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the show is saying but that. I because clearly I... she was faking and she hates him. I think she just hates him. I think that's read, I read it as she just actually yeah, really hates yeah, him. Yeah, but I just don't even, like, where the like, like you say, it's such a confusing I don't scene get Mark's, because, I don't get Mark's yeah, I motive, like what how, he's trying to do. How on earth he could have read that he has chemistry with Ali 
and therefore if he if he but if he didn't read that if it, if it's just something he's made up like you say to piss her off more to get her back fighting fit like he clearly just knew weird. yeah he clearly knew that she was going to react to that badly and that she would as you say uh fight, fight back and therefore she would like oh you're feeling better yeah but, I mean, that's just a really weird. weird way to go about it and i'm not i'm not sure but I'm, it's, it's it's confusing because it's like is that what he was doing like what was he doing yeah, what is it, it what is this <laughs> yeah what is this <laughs> like, why is he a magic ninja <laughs> is testifying that rage can be a, such a compounding force it can totally subordinate all se- sense of reason uh, and Mark is questioning as he promised <laughs> um, so he asked the therapist if rage can cause someone to lose control and the therapist agrees that it can in extreme cases and in this case Nora's self-esteem was entirely dependent on the love of someone who had ridiculed and humiliated and disgraced her. And when she saw his leg lying there in a phallic state, she went on automatic pilot. She didn't know what she was doing. And then the prosecution cross-examines and he's trying to basically completely undermine or discount her testimony because he's like making it seem like she's just used buzzwords like rage, automatic pilot, snapped. Um, And he kind of mockingly asks, are you saying that rage excuses murder? And the therapist is like, in certain instances, a person can lose control. And the prosecution is like, well, Nora's aim was certainly in control. Um. So Ali is out of hospital. She's back at the office and she is wasting no time in telling Richard who should be firing Mark um, because it is insensitive to bring in someone new. And I was like, you can't fire as someone much as I that. agree, you can't. Yeah, that's not grounds for firing. Yeah. And then Richard's like, look, I loved Billy as much as you did. And Ali's like, no, you did not. No, I loved Billy as much as I do. Um, and Richard's like, okay, then I liked him. But he was like, but let's face it, he was boring. Can't we just move on? <laughs> I mean, preach. Preach, preach, preach. Um, but then he's kind of trying to escape Ali. He keeps walking around his office and she's like following him. And she just sudden, she's just like really, really emotional. Cause she's like, well, why does everyone have to move on so damn fast? What's wrong with just standing still and crying? Who made up that stupid rule anyway that life just goes on? And Richard keeps walking around his office, like trying to escape her, but they are arguing. They're basically arguing over each other again until Ali sh- shouts, Billy is dead. And as she says this, Richard stops moving um, and he's, he's got his back to her and we see that that statement has, has got to him. Um, and Ali carries on and says, and we loved him and he is going to be dead forever. And you just hire somebody to fill up his office before we... And her voice just breaks and she just sits down and starts crying. And Richard is, is really quiet and he just says, we're all just trying to survive this Ali. Maybe you can walk by his empty office all day long. I can't. You're not the only one who needs to survive. And Ali says, 
that she's sorry and that she knows that Richard's been hurting too. Um, and Richard's like, look, Mark's a good lawyer and he'll bring in money. And that's the bottom line. Um, and they're both trying to like rally basically. Um, and they both stand up and Ali's like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. And he says, are you okay? And she's like, fine, all fine. And they're putting a brave face on it. Um, and Richard's like, okay, so, you know, back to work, back to work, back to work. Um, and Ali gets about two steps away from leaving, but then she just sobs and turns back to him as Richard sobs too. And they just sort of fall against each other in this big tearful hug. And I was like, oh, guys. I know. This is really sad. I Really emotional, this scene. I think Richard made it for me yeah, more I think, emotional. Uh, like I said, like last episode, I think Greg German's really good. So good. In this, yeah. This sort of time um you know of like huge emotional upheaval for Richard and I think like I think there's something like really lovely about you know these interactions between Ali and Richard because if you think about it like Ali's lost her emotional support at work which used to be yeah well well, it used to be Billy like Billy would be the person that she would go to that's what I mean she lost her emotional support briefcase (laughs) it was Billy and and Richard would usually turn to John at this point and John isn't there so they're having to turn to each other and it's just really sweet yeah like we don't get to see him be vulnerable with anyone really ever apart from Whipper once yes Um, and now he's opening up to Ali and I think if John hadn't been there um if John had been there even um we wouldn't have got the opportunity for him to do that with Ali so I think it's quite nice yeah so agree Um, yeah yeah lovely so meanwhile uh Nora has had an offer from the prosecution to plead murder two which I guess is murder in the second degree yeah Um, but Ling is advising her not to take it because that's that's a life sentence and uh she's like I'm assuming you have plans and Nora's like yeah I'm not taking a life sentence and um Ling's like don't take that tone with me, Nora. I didn't kill off your husband. And she goes, and you're a terrible crier. And then Ali comes into the meeting room and Ling is bringing her up to speed, saying that Mark's basically getting ready to do his summation, um, which Ali isn't best pleased to hear. But Ling is like, his nickname, did you know what his nickname is? It's The Closer. And Ali's like, yes, but that might have nothing to do with the way he practices law. (laughs) What else would it have to do with? (laughs) I know, like he's really good at closing doors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, she wants to know where he is. And Ling almost says that he's in Billy's office, but she corrects herself and she's like, he's in his office. And Ali sort of thinks, and she's like, I'm going to go in with an olive branch because Richard wants this to work, so... She's going to give it her best shot. Go so, Ali goes to knock on his door, which we see that he's put some some masking tape over Billy's nameplate with his name on it, mm. which looks a bit pathetic, Shit. to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah. this tiny little piece of masking tape. Um, and then she goes in, and Mark is in there in a dentist chair with <laughs> a dental professional, like, tending to his mouth. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Sandy, can you give us a sec? Or I can't even remember what her name was, Sandra or whatever. And she leaves. And Ali is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Mark's like, look, I get my teeth cleaned three times a week. The chair saves time. I let the hygienist make house calls. 
it's the little things that win trials, Ali. Fresh breath, clean teeth. And Ali's like, what planet are you from? <laughs> and Mark's like, look, every lawyer has Judge his way. Judge planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, every lawyer has his way. Are you going to cut me any slack? And she's like, I, well, I came in here to do that. And I found you in a dentist chair. You're a nut. Mark's like, look, I'd love to work on our differences, um, but I have a closing to work on and I thought I would be allowed some space in my own office, which this is obviously the wrong thing to say to Ali because she goes, it's not your office and it doesn't become your office with a stupid piece of tape. And Mark goes to leave the room and as he does, he's like, you know what? Thanks for making me feel so damn welcome. Which I'm, you know, I think that's fair from Mark because I'm just like... Yeah. Ali, for God's sake, like, stop acting like a teenage brat. Like, yeah. Like, he had, she went in there to make peace. Yeah. And the reason she's decided not to is because he was getting his teeth cleaned. Like, yeah. and yes, like, that's that, weird. Yeah, but, but that's like, not a reason and that's to hardly, be shitty. Like, when, he, when she goes, you're a nut. It's like, yeah, at, like, how many other people in this office, Ali? You're, like, you're hardly a picture well, of normality. Well, come on to that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the whole point, I think, that, you know, it's Mark's first episode as a character. And I think David E. Kelly, usually when he introduces characters, he tends to, like, double down on whatever traits they've got to, like, make it clear that this is why they fit in here. Yeah. Um, And and that's what he's doing with Mark. Like, we're getting everything thrown at him and seeing what sticks. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway... He leaves and Ali closes the door behind him and then Ghost Billy has come for a haunting. <laughs> so <laughs> he appears at his old desk um, and he's, he's playing with one of the dentist tools and he's like, you need to give him a chance, Ali. And Ali's like, I don't need to give him anything. He isn't you. And Ghost Billy's like, he's just a lawyer. And Ali's like, well, he was brought in. He was brought in to make us forget. And Billy's like, nobody's asking you to forget anything. He's like, you hate him? You hate God? Anybody else? And I was like, yeah, you, for dying. And then she goes on to say that she can't even wear black because he wasn't hers. And she says, maybe that's why I feel so alone. Nobody really understands how much I and what I and, and Ghost Billy is like, I know. And she's like, it just feels like such an insult to you to move on. And... Ghost Billy says, just remember me every now and again. That's that's going to be enough. And Ali sort of smiles and does a little laugh and says, okay. And is there anything you can do for me? And Billy says, well, I'll make sure it never rains when you're outside. And Ali's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> and then they look at each other. And Ali says to Billy, I need to say goodbye to you. And Billy's like, I know that too. And then Ali starts crying and she gets a nice toasty ghost hug from Billy. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, like, I, yeah, like, I'm a level. <laughs> Ali is hard work. I just, it's that thing of like, I can't even wear black. And it's like, yes, you can. You can. No one's yeah. stopping you. No one's going to be like, oh, well, you weren't his wife. Like, I just. Wear black. Wear black. Wear black. Like it's perfectly it's... normal to wear all black in a corporate environment. Yeah, Nobody's like... gonna be like, "Well, that's weird." Yeah, you know no I mean? one's gonna fucking notice. Like, I just, oh god, Ali. <laughs> I know. I know. 
And then when, when she's like, when she's like, oh, you've been brought, he's been brought in to make us forget. And it's like, no, he hasn't. No, he's been brought in because Richard isn't coping and doesn't want to have to be down. You know, walk, yeah, be down. Well, not he's emo- He's done it for emotional reasons too, um, not just money. Let's no. be. He admitted that to Ali. He's like, I can't walk past his his like an empty office all day and from a business standpoint it makes no sense for him to be walking past an empty, empty office all day yeah. because that's that's someone that could be doing work you know yeah um so they do need to replace him it does feel a bit soon i guess bit but rough. it's not ali's it's not ali's call to make like it's not her business no. that is suffering do you know what i mean and like so, you think just you have the like maturity to know not to take it out on on the guy that's the actual person you know doesn't know anything yeah exactly exactly. oh daring me so meanwhile ali's not the only one that has questions about mark joining the firm um nell is following richard around the office asking why mark joined because apparently mark used to have his own practice and could therefore have kept all of the profits so why would he have moved from that to join us and she wants to know if he's getting equity and at that point Ling tries to join in the conversation because she comes up and Nell's like no me and Richard are having a discussion and Ling leaves and Nell's like when I joined this firm you promised that I would be the first associate to be made partner and Richard's like oh Nell promises are are irrelevant and Nell's like well why and he's like because I never keep them (laughs) and Nell Nell just goes ominously well it would behoove you to keep this one um (laughs) And then suddenly they stop talking because they've been interrupted with Ali running out of the elevator with sunglasses on, being hounded by Gloria Gaynor singing, I will survive again. And she runs up to her office door, but she's blocked by Gloria again. And then she runs up to Richard and Nell with like her head down and basically like bumps into Richard and the music cuts out. Um, And Richard's like, you being you being haunted by Gloria again and she's like yeah and then he's like well maybe you should fix it fix her up with Al Green because surely that's more interesting than haunting you um, <laughs> and Ali's like you know no I think the distraction is a good thing um but then she stops because suddenly we hear new music that we hear some drum beats and uh very soon we realize that it's we will rock you and Ali's like oh no oh god Ugh. I'm hit. Well, at least it's not disco. Um, but Richard is like, no, no, you, this isn't just you. Like, we I can, can hear it, it as well. <laughs> and it turns out he's coming from Mark's office. So they all go into his office. And from the doorway, what they see is Mark doing his like pre like closing routine which is essentially to look at himself in front of a full-length mirror as queen is blaring out from the stereo and he sort of smiles from one side and there's a ding noise and he smiles from the other side and there's a ding and then he raises an eyebrow and there's another ding and ali is like look well i told you this guy is a major kook he should be in a rubber room and i was like ali pot kettle black like remember boss gags when you were just like singing georgia like georgia (laughs) like goodness sake like you are exactly like this exactly anyway mark has noticed them all there and he turns off the music and he's just like 
not embarrassed of the slightest. He's like, it's just my pre-trial anthem. Like before I close, I I like to fill myself with music, like a theme song. And Ali is like, you have a theme song, like as if this concept is not allowed for other people. <laughs> Outside of herself, yeah. <laughs> and Mark's like, yeah, and fresh breath. And he like sprays his mouth with breath spray. And I was like, good for you, Mark. You do you, boo. Like, don't let these people bring you down. Do what you need to do. So in the courtroom, um, the prosecution is doing their closing. And um, he's basically like, guys, you know, the facts matter. (laughs) Nora used a heavy object to bludgeon her husband to death. And the fact that she was angry or in a rage is not relevant. Like anger doesn't excuse a homicide, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a society of law and order. Law and order means you don't kill someone because they make you angry. Law and order means you don't resort to violence because you feel pangs of jealousy. Um, And as he's continuing, we see Mark, like he starts to close his eyes to hear his theme song and we hear it too. And it starts to drown out the prosecution's argument. And we get this big zoom in on the camera on like the side of, of Mark's face um, as he's like in the zone. Um, and then suddenly he's out of the zone because Ali is hissing at him to get up because the prosecution has finished and Arrested. everyone's waiting for him. Yeah. So the music stops. Um, so Mark gets up calmly and he's buttoning up his jacket um, and Ling's like, I think his bulb is a little dim <laughs> and Ali seems pleased with that comment because she's like oh let's see how good this is then um and he just goes law and order so law and order is a television show albeit a good one um which I thought was quite funny because as we know David E Kelly has written a lot of legal dramas and law and order is not one of them so <laughs> yeah I thought that was quite amusing um And then he says, the nucleus of Nora Fields, believe it or not, was her love for her husband. You heard the therapist testify as to the power of this love. It was also, in Nora's mind, immortal. But see, that's the thing about great loves. And then at this moment, Ali, who has been watching Mark, hears Billy's voice finish what Mark was saying. Um, She hears Billy saying, we think they're immortal. They can live forever, even if the people involved don't. And for the rest of Mark's closing, she basically hears Mark. And then I I think what the show's trying to imply is that she's hearing Billy say the entire thing, but we keep cutting between Mark and Billy in her head. Mm. Um, We don't see Billy. She's just hearing his voice. So um, what he ends up saying is um, when Nora walked into that room and saw what she saw, it was as if her own center had been destroyed and nothing else mattered. The psychiatrist said that she was lost. Those were her words. And she was lost and she remains lost. The love that she had for her husband turned out to be false or at least finite. And now she feels she's not even entitled to it after he's gone. And she sits there empty. A love that she cherished more than life itself was taken from her, suddenly gone. In part, she felt gone. And then she snapped. And Ali looks thoughtful. She's like, hmm, how does this apply to me, though? <laughs> I mean, I know that's supposed to be make. I know she's, like, Nora's their client and, you know, their whole job is to make her sympathetic. But it's like, she killed her husband. 
Well, like, we'll come on to this in the retrial, <laughs> won't we? Yes, exactly. I'm just a little bit like, you know, and now this love is gone and taken from her. And it's like, she took it from herself. Like, I don't know what yeah. I know. Yeah, really odd. Maybe he's referring to the affair. Like, that's the thing that Maybe. took the love away. I don't know. I, don't know. I just think it's really... I feel like that argument was written for Ali to be like, this more is about than me, Nora. more than yeah. the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, whilst the jury is deliberating, Ling, we see Ling striding down the courtroom corridor to the ante room to the tune of her Wicked Witch uh, <laughs> song, which we haven't heard in a while, actually. Um, and then that finishes as she arrives in the room with Mark, Ali and Nora waiting. And she reports to Nora that the prosecution is now offering a plea of manslaughter. And Nora asks Mark whether she should take it. And Mark is very chill, just like in the corner with his apple and his newspaper. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's not much of an offer. And Ling's like, yeah, I think we should turn it down. I'm going to turn it down. And Nora's like, okay, um, but I can't just sit and wait here. I need to walk. So she leaves and Ling is like, I should go with her, which leaves Ali on her own with Mark. So Ali asks what Mark knew about her and Billy um, because she's like, some of the things that you said in your closing hit very close to home. It's so weird. It's almost like it was written for my situation <laughs> and not Nora's yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, and as, and as much as, basically as much as she mourns his loss, him dying left her so empty because they'd broken up. So there's like this part of her that feels like she isn't entitled to cling to the love that she had with him. And she thinks that probably it's because a part of her always thought that she'd get get him back. Um, and she said that's maybe why the whole feels so big. And Mark's like, well, was your love with him, was it real at one point? And Ali's like, nods and, and it's like, yes. And I was like, Mark, haven't you heard? It was the greatest love story of all time. Like, where have you been? Um, and Mark's like, well, then you own it. You're entitled to cling to it. Your last memory of him shouldn't be where you left off, Ali. Remember him the way you want to. You survive that way, and so does he. And I'm like, Mark, you've just given her permission to be the worst. <laughs> I know, but at the same time, I mean, he's not to know that. He doesn't know Ali that well. Like, um, I think this might be the first sensitive thing that Mark has yeah. said though he so had, that's yeah you know, that's a nice thing to say that. to her yeah, yeah yeah um but then Lynn comes back and tells them that the verdict is in so that was quick yeah I know real quick so the foreman reads the verdict and Nora is found not guilty for murder in the first degree murder in the second degree and not guilty for manslaughter due to temporary insanity. And I was like, wow, Mark really is the fucking closer, eh? Because I had no idea how that happened. <laughs> yeah, I've literally no clue how they managed all that off. Um, and Nora obviously seems very happy. Um, and she hugs Ali and Ling and she sort of flaps her arm at Mark. Um, and then she like moves the thing out of the way and runs off. And as she does that, we get the familiar chords of I Will Survive start up. And we fade into the final scene where actual Gloria Gaynor is in the bar. Like, not fantasy Gloria. She's 
doing a doing a show at the bar. Like, what are the fucking chances that Ali's being haunted by someone who happens to be performing? Well, she's this like week? manifested her into like existence at into, the bar <laughs> into a uh, performing slot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and <laughs> Mark and Ling are dancing, and Ali is at the table with Richard and Elaine and Nell. Um, and Ali, Ali just goes, "Is that?" that is actually Gloria Gaynor up there, right? Like, for real. And Elaine's like, do you want me to tell you? And Ali's like, better not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Mark comes up and he asks Ali to dance, but she's saying that she's, you know, she's beat. She wants to go home. Um, And I was like, Ali, but Gloria Gaynor. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Mark turns to Elaine and is like, Sylvie? And Elaine's like, it's Elaine, but I'd love to. Um, and just before they go onto the dance floor, Ali decides that she's going to make her peace with Mark and she just holds out her hand to shake her hands with him and it's like, welcome. And he smiles and they shake hands um, and that's kind of feels, there's a resolution there. Like, they've, yeah. they've just, she's accepted him. So um, then she's kind of packing up and getting ready to leave. And Ling, did you notice this line? Ling offers to walk her, which I was like, that's too cute but Ali's like no 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 I'm fine um and then Richard just sort of pulls her aside a little bit for a quick word and he's just like I'm sorry you know for being insensitive and she's like you know it's okay and I'm surviving and then she pulls him in and she gives him this big kiss on the mouth like not a romantic one just like a very affectionate fond kind of kiss Mm. um and then she leaves the bar um after a final look at Gloria and then when she gets outside, she realizes that it's fucking pissing it down with rain. Yeah. And she just looks up at the sky and she smiles and she says, very funny. And she walks home alone um, with no umbrella. I was like, I know. Ali. Um, That's happened to me, though. Got caught outside with an <laughs> umbrella and you have to walk through and get, end up yes. looking like a drowned rat. Well, then we get this montage ending as Vonda starts singing a Linda Ronstadt song again called um, Goodbye, My Friend. Um, And we get this montage of Ali singing Santa Baby to Billy, uh, The Last Christmas. Yeah. Um, uh, He boops her nose. We get their dancing with the stars fantasy in the insects. Um, Billy leaving her bedroom after the kind of emotional fallout of them kissing. Yeah. Um, And then we get more we see her walking again and she's like absolutely drenched but then more footage of um them clinking champagne glasses after she first joined cajun fish um she give her giving him a hug fairly recently because he had bleached hair um him singing the swing on a star karaoke with elaine Elaine, yeah yeah um and dancing with ling at the bar and then a kind of it's clearly a season one finger gun because ali's got short hair Um, and then uh them kissing when they have their kiss um and then she by that point she's reached home and she looks up at the sky as she reaches the top of her stoop and she just goes see ya and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> bless. So Week yeah, it's hard. It is. It is. Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't help but feel sorry for anyone who, you know, is dealing with a sudden loss the way Ali is. Ali is. Um, yeah, but yeah, good. I, I wish she could have like not. <laughs> 
like aimed it all at Mark. <laughs> like, yeah, it didn't feel fair, did it? But, no, you know, it is. How did you feel about this episode? The first episode post Billy dying. Well, it's still, you know, very much wrapped up in the aftermath of Billy dying, isn't it? Yeah. And establishing a new character that's going to be, like, replacing that. Do you think it was the right decision to bring in a new character, like, essentially the replacement? Like, straight away, do you think? Do you think that was a good story decision, or...? Maybe, just to get things rolling... Yeah. Again, because I guess the thing is, is that with a TV show, when you take away someone like uh, important to the show, like it, it, I guess it becomes a thing of like, okay, so now we have to re-establish what the status, the new status quo will be. Yeah. And it's like maybe you can't uh, hang around too long. Well, I mean, some shows do. Some shows will just be like, well, now the status quo is the sh- this show without that character, and we'll have yeah. that for a bit, um, and then introduce someone, and we'll have a new, you know, new um, state of play. Like after that, but like, yeah, clearly they decided they wanted to, you know, switch it up very quickly. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I don't have a problem with it so much as I'm not really excited about Mark as a character. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's a weird... He, he's an odd one, and I'm not... Uh, yeah, I'm really not sure what to make of him. He just seems like... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I'm not convinced I'm entirely going to like him as a character. And I also don't like how they sort of keep like every time they've introduced a new character like they did this with Nell and Ling and now Mark I guess the only one that kind of slipped through the net was Sandy but um they always introduce them as someone that we're supposed to like hate in some way like not that likable and I'm like why would you do that if you want them to be a character like I get the show needs some antagonism in it, but like you know, there's plenty of scope for that a within themselves, but also um, like from the cases of the week that come in, yeah. and, like stuff that happens. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why they keep doing that. I wish they would stop doing that, or at least like not do it with every single new character yeah. that comes in. Do you know what I mean? And it just makes like because especially as it is usually Ali who's the one that has a problem with you know the new person coming in for one reason or another and it's just like it just makes her look like she has like the emotional maturity of a 13 year old like it's yeah. really well she does she does <laughs> like and it's really like oh, oh god <laughs> i know it's i know <laughs> i know retrial so it's the state versus nora mills Yes. Um, so, I don't, I, like, I think Nora should at least have been found guilty of manslaughter. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they had a like a convincing defence at all, other than she really loved her husband. She was very, very angry. But and I'm jealous. not sure that I bought that. Like, I'm sorry, you you don't just get to be like mad at your husband being an ass and then get to kill him like unless 
you've proven that there's some kind of systemic, like systematic, like abuse happening, whether that's psychological or emotional or physical. Do you know what I mean? Like that might have caused her to suddenly snap. But they didn't prove that. They didn't go to any lengths to try and prove something like that. Because I mean, if there anything... is the, there is the like in this country at least, there's like what they call is it the slow burn defense or something like something that? Something like that. Um, if you can prove that someone has been so abusive to you, whether that's yeah. physical or psychological, over a period of many, many years, that it can build up and suddenly you're like, no, and, and defend yourself um, and end up killing. And that happened to a woman. I can't remember the name of the case. This is my law, criminal law degree module, like from years ago, I'm trying to remember it. But um, there, that was proven that that is, that is um like reduced like whatever that guy got um, with, reduced, with um, res- diminished responsibility diminished responsibility so that's that um so i don't know if there is an equivalent in us law but she's fucking guilty like yeah. i don't like I mean, she's killed a guy you exactly. can't just do that because you're mad at them no it, it it like if anything like the prosecution like introduced the idea of like um you know that that thing you're talking about the slow yeah. slow burn thing because yeah. the because they're the ones that bring up the fact that he cheated on her multiple times um, yeah yeah and and you know you could argue that if someone was a serial cheater that that would be like a form of like psychological abuse or emotional yeah, abuse you could, on your partner. But they partner. didn't do that. They didn't they, present any kind of no, argument for that. Like, so how the fuck the jury got to not guilty no, of I all three counts? It's like literally the only, the only case is like literally, oh, well, she got very angry. So, you Unless know. that <laughs> whole song and dance routine wasn't a fantasy and they were like, well, she's really good at singing. So not guilty. <laughs> but also it's just like, yeah, like that's how a lot of people end up dead because someone got very angry. Like, yeah, that is, that is how a lot of people end up being murdered like i know I it was bizarre is, like exceptional circumstances it's this really was a really bizarre finding and i don't get it at I'm all like how how did you come to this not guilty it's bizarre absolutely unheard of yes <laughs> bizarre verdict of the week the jury's back who are you picking okay so it's it's a very kind of like small thing but I want to give Ling a not guilty. Because... I want Ling a not guilty. Oh, okay. <laughs> just because I just really love how sweet Ling is being yeah. to Oh my god, Ali I've literally written exactly Billy that. Since Billy died, like yes. I just. Oh my god. Yeah, like since Billy died, Ling has been like the sweetest of sweets like to Ali. I'm really supportive mm. like she backed her about Mark and was like defending like being like no one likes you yet do you know what I mean like yeah all of that stuff and then asking to like walk her home walk her and like squeeze like, her hand yeah and, like, yeah. And, yeah and like like say last episode where she comes into her office and squeezes her hand and I know you know you're not really supposed to bring in things from other episodes but like no, but, but, but she I definitely feel like demonstrated it's like a culmination that vibe. of like yeah. stuff since Billy yeah. died that Ling has been like super 
lovely and and uh considerate uh of of Ali and yeah I just really love to see it I really love it me too I'm glad she's got two not guilties yeah I think that's the sort of thing that can often go under the radar so, exactly so it wasn't like the main storyline so yeah I thought that was really good yes um, cool cool so um yeah how are you feeling how are you holding up since Billy's been gone <laughs> we would love to know um we are on Twitter and Facebook at Bygones Podcast or we're on Instagram at Bygones Pod so please give us a message drop us a comment uh, whatever whatever you uh, want to do uh, or you can email us at bygonespodcast at gmail.com and um, yeah I let's see how this Mark guy beds in <laughs> eh? I guess next episode let's hope he's literally not bedding anyone I really yeah. I'm not into this Elaine Mark thing I'm not yeah, sure I'm not sure right. about anything with Mark right but, now <laughs> yeah let's see all right well until next time bye, bye guys, guys.